0: Welcome to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Laconia campus. Heaven to Earth, the story of Christmas. That very night he had spoken, Be not afraid, you have been chosen. She looked at the angel inquisitively and asked, How can this be, rather doubtfully? Gabriel looked at her with loving eyes as he tried to help her visualize all the things that were to come through her baby boy, God's only son. She sang with joy as she heard these things about her child, who had become a king. Many journeyed from far and near, even some traveled for two years. To celebrate her birth, her child's birth, The one who would save the entire earth. She treasured these things in her heart and was joyful about her part. That she was given by God above, the God that saves because he loves. Heed these words because they are true. That Jesus Christ was born to save you. So I was sitting, I went to a Christmas concert at Laconia Christian Academy. And uh, I was sitting there thinking about, or actually thinking through my sermon last night, and there was a little insert in the program uh, that I didn't have a chance to read, and uh, a young lady named Samantha Longle wrote that. And as I was reading through it, I'm like, wow, I get to the very end. It's like, wow, that's my big idea for the sermon. And it was, and it was said so perfectly perfectly. Heed these words because they are true. Jesus Christ was born to save you. Jesus, you are my rescue. Jesus, you are my rescue. Jesus, you're my rescue. I give you everything I am. You're the one who saves. You're the one who saves. You're the one whose hands lift us from the grave. You are the light of life, the everlasting day, you are the one who takes all our sins away. Father, we come to you when we're approaching Christmas, God, we're all at different places right now in our life and in our heart, all with different levels of understanding of who you are. knowing very little, knowing quite a bit. Well, maybe all of us knowing very little. God, we come to you confessing we want to know more. God, we want to learn as much as we can about who you are, why you came, and why we're here. So I pray that you would open our ears to hear you. God, that you would soften our mind, and our heart so that the things that are spoken from you might stick. They might stay with us. They might change who we are. God, would you speak to us now? Could we get a glimpse of who you are? Could you show us why you came? Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let it be. We've been working through a series uh, called Heaven to Earth. And when you think about Christmas, it's, it's just that, isn't it? It's, the, it's just that. It's heaven to earth. We started this series way back when Pastor Mark came and he preached about a promise that God perceived this problem in Ezekiel 34, that people fall apart, apart from God in their life, that people need God in their life. And so he made a promise in verse 15. His promise was this, that I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I myself will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy and I will feed them in justice. God promised that he would come. And he'd come and meet the most fundamental need that we have, that without God in our life, we fall apart. So last week we saw that when Jesus was born, or even before he was born, it was told unto Joseph and Mary that he would have a name, and his name would be Emmanuel. Emmanuel which means God with us. So the promise that God would come to fix the problem was beginning to happen. That God took on the form of a man to make God's presence accessible so that we could connect with God himself and our life could be put back together. This week we're looking deeper into this. We're looking into why he came. What was his purpose? Was it just to be here or was there more than that? In this poem that I read, it said, heed these words because they are true, that Jesus Christ was born to save you. And this week I've been wrestling with this concept. What did he save us from? Toiling with it. Really trying to understand what does Jesus save us from? And the key to answering this question really lies within the promise that he said. Because He said that he would come and he would shepherd his people. This morning, we're going to look at John 10, which might be a strange passage for a sermon that's pre Christmas. But in this passage, there's a parable about the Good Shepherd. And in studying this passage and pulling it apart and looking at the details, we'll answer this question why did Jesus come? So turn with me to John 10. I'm just going to pray to organize my thoughts a little bit here. Lord, God, would you speak? God, would you take these words and and use them? uh, God, help us to see your purpose. Help us to see why you came. Lord, I just pray that you would organize my thoughts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So John 10 is a mashal. A mashal is, is a Hebrew, is the Hebrew word for a parable. And it's kind of like a movie. And As we work through this passage, I need to fill in some details so that you understand what's going on in in this Mashal. The Mashal is about a shepherd. And so I'm going to need to give you some backstory on shepherding so that as we progress through this story, it will all make sense. Okay? So in the ancient Near East, Shepherding was very common, and it is quite common still. And as a profession, it's one that was not uh, valued per se. Shepherds were actually seen as uh, unclean. They were not even allowed to enter into the temple court. So when God says, I will become a shepherd, he's saying that he's taking a very lowly position, that he would come in a profession that was very less than God. In the ancient Near East, if you had sheep, then uh, they would live at your house. If you had 10 or less, they'd actually live on the first floor of your house. So you'd have your house, it would be two stories. On the first story, it would be set up in such a way that you could convert it into little stalls. And the sheep would come in, and they'd live in these little rooms at night. Living in that first floor, they would be safe. And they would help to keep your house warm. Their heat would actually radiate up, and if it was cold, they would provide heat for your house. In there, they'd be safe. Safe from what? Well, there were two primary enemies of sheep in that day. There were thieves and robbers, and there were wild animals. Thieves and robbers would try to come and, and steal the sheep so they could use them, so they could make a profit from them, so that they could have them as their own and, and sell them off. They'd pretend to be shepherds, but they're really not. They're actually thieves and robbers. The wild animals, well, they would come for a meal. And the wild animals of that day were actually pretty scary. There were wolves, there were bears, there were panthers, there were leopards, and then there was one other one. There you go, lions. Thank you, John. John has a mind like a steel trap. So (laughs) that's my boy. Okay, it is true. (laughs) And if you're a sheep and one of those five is coming for you, that's bad news because sheep are very meek. They're very timid, and they taste good. <laughs> yeah. So if you owned sheep, they were a treasure, so you wanted to keep them safe. So they would live in your house, not only to help keep it warm, but so you could keep them safe. If you had more than 10 sheep, you had a problem, because the houses weren't that large. And you start packing those guys in on the first floor, it's going to get really smelly, Right? So they had to have something else. They would set up a pen for their sheep. The pen would either be in the front or the back of their house. The pen would have six foot high walls of stone. On the top of the walls, they would embed glass. Or they would take big thorns. You know like the crown of thorns on Jesus' head? Kind of like that, where they would right around the top of it. And the glass and the thorns would stop the thieves and the robbers or the wild animals from getting uh, the sheep, in theory. So you see the thieves and robbers, to get in the pen and get the sheep, they'd have to take a ladder and put it on the side and climb up and try to jump over the side. Now, if they hit the glass or the thorns, they're in trouble. Okay, So it made it pretty hard. And then the wild animals as well. Now, as another line of defense, they would also have a hired gatekeeper. The gatekeeper would uh, come during times where they were afraid that someone was going to try to steal sheep. And the gatekeeper would guard the entrance so that nobody could come and take away the sheep. You following me? Okay. In the story in John 10, it starts with... A problem. Thieves and robbers are trying to get the sheep. It's a crisis. John 10, 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, which means amen, amen. This is very profound. He who does not enter the sheepfold, so there's more than 10 sheep, okay? We're talking about a pen, a a big pen outside. By the door... But climbs it by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So we have this crisis. I think it's like a movie, okay? And you're watching, a, you're watching a movie right now. Oh no. The thieves and the robbers, they've been trying to get the sheep, they've been trying to steal them away, they're trying to take hold of them, they're trying to snatch them. Where's the shepherd? Where's the hero? when I think about life, when I think about Christmas, there are a lot of things that are trying to snatch us. There are a lot of things that are trying to take hold of us. There's a lot of things that are pretending to be saviors, but they're really not. You see, when I was a kid, um, I remember one Christmas, I wanted a Sega Genesis. Sega Genesis? Come on. Who wanted a Sega Genesis when they were a kid? I thought that this thing would be amazing. So okay, so I went and I started collecting little clippings of the Sega Genesis, Toys R Us, KB Toy Store. Right, they didn't have a lot of those fancy video game stores yet. I just think there was electronics boutique, but nothing else. That too. Okay, and this was a long time ago. So I had all these clippings, and I used to I would tuck them around the house. I put them in my dad's books in my mom's like cookbook. And, and I put them all around. I even wrote a little song about how I wanted the Sega Genesis. I don't remember what the words were, but but I did write a song. And I was so excited that, and I really wanted my mom and dad to get me this thing. And so Christmas came, had our presents, and it wasn't there. Well, we didn't really have a lot of money, and uh, you know, my parents did the best they could. And I was so disappointed. I had all these amazing toys, but I was so disappointed. And so, a little bit later, my parents pulled a Red Rider BB gun on me. They actually bought it for me. Okay? And, and they had it and they brought it out, and I couldn't believe I had the Sega Genesis. Couldn't believe. And it came with Sonic the Hedgehog, and I wanted Pit Fighter. Okay? That was the other game I really liked. And so then, you know, I set it up, and I played it. I played it for an hour straight without, like, breathing. <laughs> I had, like, blisters. Just from an hour, because I was gripping it so tight. And then after about an hour or so, really, it wasn't that long, I, I, I shut it off, and I thought to myself, hey, I don't like it. I had such high expectations for this thing. I thought it was going to be like Disney World, but it wasn't. I was looking for this toy to be my savior, and it offered so much hope. You look at all the things on TV they're trying to sell you at Christmas, rings, cars, right, and the things that they symbolize as solutions to our life, as shepherds that can meet our needs. They always fall short. They don't provide any life. And then when you finally have them, you realize they're just death. Because it it just shows the sin that's on the inside. So back to the story. So we have this crisis that the thieves and the robbers are trying to steal the sheep. And then all of a sudden it says this. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So here you go. Guess who shows up? It's like Mel Gibson and Braveheart. The shepherd's here. And he's got his sword and, and he's the shepherd shows up. So now we're not thinking about the thieves and the robbers anymore. You see, in this culture, shepherds, each morning they would come to get their sheep. And when they came, they would first they would introduce themselves uh, to the gatekeeper the one who was guarding the door. And the gatekeeper, well, he really knew who the shepherd was, so it really didn't take much. But sometimes maybe the gatekeeper was in the house. So before the shepherd got there, he would announce himself. He would, not to scare the gatekeeper or or the watchman, so he would announce himself, and then when the gatekeeper recognized him, he would open up the door, and then the shepherd would sing a song. And the sheep, you know, there was mostly, there was one common shepherd song, but there were some other songs. But there was a very common shepherd song, and I was reading an article on this, that a theologian went uh, to Israel, and, and he said, there was this one song that just was very, very common that most of the shepherds used. There were some other songs too, but there was one common song. You see, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd, So that if you had ten shepherds and they all sang the same song, the sheep would go to their shepherd. Even if you had a hundred in a room, they would hear the voice of the shepherd. When a shepherd has a flock, he has to train them to hear his voice. If there's a new sheep, he doesn't know the voice yet. When The shepherd comes and sings the song and gives the call. That shepherd, that sheep actually gets anxious. And he walks around in a circle and he actually bangs his head up against the wall. When I think about when you're a new believer and and you haven't learned how to hear God's voice yet, life is kind of like that. Meaning that you know you're supposed to go follow somebody, but you're not sure it's quite him yet. So, you get anxious and you pace and you hit your head on the wall. Because you haven't learned to hear his voice yet, but he wants to teach you to hear his voice. Because that's what they do. They train the sheep to hear their voice. And eventually, you learn. And eventually, when the shepherd comes and he calls you out, then you leave the pen and you go out into the streets. Now, where are you going? You see, the job of the shepherd is to lead the pack of sheep out of the town because they can't eat dirt. They need grass and they need water. So the shepherd leads the sheep out of the town into a field. Now, there's lots of shepherds and there's lots of sheep. And as the sheep are all going into the street and following different shepherds, the only way they know what sheep to follow is by the, the voice. And you think about life, and you think about when you are out in the world, all the different voices out there that are trying to lead you somewhere, that are trying to draw you to go somewhere. Jesus saves us from them. Saves us from chasing after things that are not life. But we have to learn to hear his voice. We have to learn to recognize his voice in the midst of all the other false shepherds. Because wow. yeah. they're all crying out. And all the sheep are blatting. they <laughs> <laughs> that's even better. <laughs> but it you know what the neat thing is? That the sheep, they, they're so in tune to their voice, even if you had hundreds of sheep all mixed together, eventually they all separate out and they follow their shepherd and you know in psalm 23 it says this this is really special there we are david recognized this he said the lord is my shepherd my shepherd it's personal the lord is my shepherd i shall not want He makes me lie down in green pastures. So he's like one of those sheep that he knows the shepherd, follows the shepherd, and he makes them lie down in green pastures. How fast do sheep eat grass? Fast. How much grass must there be if you can lie down in the pasture? You see, the food that he offers is true food, it's food that's not depleted quickly. He says, he leads me beside still waters. If the water's still, it means it's not shallow. It means it's deep. The refreshing that he offers doesn't go away. It's not like a video game that gets you tired in an hour. It's deep. It's rich. And he keeps drawing us to it. He restores my soul. So that when the things of this world fail, we have the thing that meets our need, and that's God himself. He said that he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, the thing about sheep and shepherding is that as you shepherd, if you like animals like me, I love animals. You start to get pets after a while, right? Lacey w- was working with cows when, when she was younger. And you end up having favorite ones, right? And you name them. they are like little dogs. Okay. It says here that he calls them by name. Now, this is actually, if you understand shepherding, within any flock, a shepherd would usually have a couple favorite ones. And those are the ones that hung close to his leg as they were walking. He would kind of hang around them. And he would give them a name. Kind of like my dog, Toby. Or my cat Moses. Or my other cat Emma. They were his friends. They were close. And they stayed close. That's how he got to know them. The pastor says he calls them all by name. Wow. That each and every single person who knows God has an intimate personal relationship with him. Amen. That he offers that. That we can be so close to him that nobody can snatch us away they know his voice a stranger they will not follow they will not free from they do not know the voices of strangers so we move into this next act you know in life as we progress through life we all have to face something we all have to face death and it's scary scary to think about that you know, I, one of my family members found out that she has uh, breast cancer, right? Treatable, we'll be okay. This week, I sat on the couch with a man who's part of our church. Lovely, lovely man. Love him. He's, he's been a believer for a long time. But he has a condition that can't be treated. And they're on the, the last leg... And and we talked. And he was afraid. And we talked. And sitting there, I felt like I had nothing to offer. But God reminded me that we have hope. That there's so much more than this life. So that in Psalm 23, where it says... Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You know, in shepherding, as they bring the sheep in and out, the grass over the course of the summer eventually gets depleted around the city. So the shepherd has to lead the sheep farther and farther away, farther and farther out to eventually where he couldn't get the sheep back to their pen back home in time in one day. So what he does is that he sets up a portable pen out in the field. He takes up rocks and he piles them up high in a semicircle or a rectangle. And there's one opening, one little door. And he builds up those rocks high. And he takes thorns, like the crown on Jesus' head, and he puts them along the top. And while the sheep are out in the pasture, they're able to go in and out of that fold. says this, that... Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. The opening on that pasture. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly What he's saying is that even in this part in life on the back end, that we can have abundant life. Even when the grass has been nibbled down to the dirt, that we can still have abundant life, super abundant life. Because what he offers is so much more than the physical. When our legs don't work, when our eyes don't work, when our back hurts, doesn't matter. Because he's the shepherd who gives us abundant life. Praise God. Now, he said he's the door. What he's saying is that the shepherd, each night when they're out in the field, and it's dark, and it's scary, and those sheep are afraid, and they're afraid because they hear wolves, because they hear wild animals. That they don't have to fear because the shepherd lies down at the opening of the gate. He lies across that opening so that whatever comes has to face him first. We're going through this story And we're getting to this part that it's unbelievable. Verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. We said the great I am. We sang this song about God. The great I am, the great I am. This great God who became a shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life. For the sheep. Think about that. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep, and he flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me. You see, there's an enemy of our life. And Jesus faces that enemy head on. That Jesus came to die in our place so that we might live. So then in that dark night of the soul, when the enemy comes for us and he tries to snatch us, there's Jesus lying there in the door protecting us. So that in Psalm 23, where it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Meaning that we don't have to fear. We can even sit back and eat. Because we have a good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He says that you anoint my head with oil. Even when we're about to die, when Jesus was about to die and they anointed him, God anoints us. He prepares us, He holds us together. And then it says something so profound My cup overflows. When you go into a Jewish household and you sit down for dinner, and you're a guest, and you're eating, you'll have a cup in front of you for your drink. If the host wants you to stay in the house, if he wants you to remain, he takes whatever you're drinking, he pours it into your glass to the brim and allows it to overflow. And what he's saying here is stay. I want you to stay. Stay in the house. You're welcome. God saves us from fear of death through Christ because we know what is to come. He's been there and he's come back. Now in the movie when the hero dies often that's it. And sometimes we sit in the movie cinema and we look at the screen and think, is there more? Is there more? There's a lot of movies like Spider-Man and other ones where it's like, did he really die? In the, in the movies I really like, at the very end, it gives a hint that there's something else to come. It's like a cliffhanger. that There's a sequel. It says this. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 16, here's the... And, I have other sheep. They're not of this fold. Now, wait a minute now. I thought he died. I thought he laid down his life for the sheep that were already in that pen. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I laid down my life and I take it up again. Whoa. What is he saying? He laid down his life and protected the sheep but he would rise again. And he would send us out to get the other sheep who need to know the good shepherd. But wait, there's more. At the end of Psalm 23, what does it say? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus came to save us. He came to save us from death and give us eternal life. Now that's awesome. That's the Christmas story. And what's our job? What do we do with that? You know, at the end of John the Gospel of John. There's this little dialogue with Peter. This is brilliant. This is so brilliant. He's interacting with Peter. Peter fell away. Peter walked away from the good shepherd. And the good shepherd called him back. This is after Jesus died. So he sits down with Peter and he gives him a commission. He tells him to do what? Say it. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Oh. oh. This is after the shepherds has died. He has given us a task. He has called us now to go out and be under shepherds. He is sheepdogs. He has called us out to live as sheepdogs, so that the sheep who are not in the fold yet can be in the fold. So that they can be saved from the things of this life that are stealing life. Yeah. So that they won't follow after pseudo-shepherds. That's awesome. Yeah. That's how we live. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Okay. <laughs> I got to wrap this thing up because it's, it's late. So I'm going to have the worship team if you can. And uh, I'm going to pray for you guys. Heaven and earth. Yeah. Oh, you bet. Lacey's got a word. Lacey gets good words. Jesus. I thank you so much that you came. That you came for us. God, that you came when the thieves and the robbers were trying to snatch us. They came to kill, kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus, I thank you that when the wolf comes, that when we have to face death, that you're willing to lie down without even a fight, that you just gave yourself over and went to the cross. So that whoever decides that they want to follow you and learn the voice of the shepherd, they can. That you are calling these men and women to follow you. God, we pray that you would attune their ear to your voice. God, that they would not walk in circles and bang their head up against the wall anymore. That you would do such a work in them that you would Make their heart new. God, draw them. Lead them. They want to follow you. God, help us to show them the way. God, those of us who have been walking and following you and know how to hear your voice and know where the pasture is. God, that we would be so committed to these men and women. God, that we would seek to have a relationship with each one so that they might find abundant life. God, would you keep each one? such that the enemy would not be able to snatch them out of your hand. God, we trust you with each one. And I pray that they would share this decision with somebody before they leave. God, that we would come around them and tell them more about how and what it means to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com.